What is up, people, and thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. We had a big week in college basketball as the season finally got underway. We had some monster matchups to start the season. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, but to start the season with number one, two, three, and four all playing in a doubleheader in the same building, it really doesn't get much better than that if you're a college basketball fan. So we'll break down a little bit of what we've seen this week, not just with those games, but some of the other big performances and big takeaways from this, uh, what I guess we'll call premier week for college basketball, maybe give a sneak of what we're thinking about for the rest of the season. Also, uh, a lot of talk about what's going on with the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. You know, obviously, um, he's been dealing with this load management thing that started with last year with the Raptors. And really, you could even say maybe it started way back with the with the Spurs. But um, <laughs> it's continued into this year, and the NBA had to find the Clippers because for what they called conflicting statements regarding that load management. So we'll talk about that. AB is back in the news. Who would have thought? Um, Antonio Brown, uh had a really random, bizarre moment today, so we'll break that down. Big week in college football, flames and trash, Kendall's court, jam pack show. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get right to it. But before we start, I got to talk to my man, Kendall, see what he's doing. He's the co-host today. What's up, dude, and how you feeling? Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. What's up, EJ? Um, we have a, uh, like you said, a very, very uh, interesting show. Um one of my favorites because we, you know, whenever we get to talk about college basketball, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's my favorite sport uh, of all of these sports, all of the major sports. Um, you know, college basketball is, is what I consider my 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 specialty. So, um, whenever we get to chop it up about college basketball, I'm excited. But uh, I'm sure there'll be some NBA draft stuff to to mention as well when we have that conversation, which is also something that we're big on here. But um, but yeah, and I have some some strong some strong takes on this whole Kawhi Leonard rest deal, you know, I you know may or may not be controversial. I don't know, but uh, we'll 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 discuss that when we get to that point. I do um, I do say, man, you know, you know, we're building this thing here, a new generation, and you know, I really would. There's gonna be a day. I don't know when. Is it five years? Is it one year? Is it ten years? But one day we're going to have, you know, a Kendall college basketball podcast. Like, I just feel like, you know, and then, oh, yeah. you know, you co-host, uh, you know, Imperial with Shamari, but, you know, Shamari is a driving force behind that show. You know, I feel like Shamari is Imperial. Um, and I know I feel like I know, I'm Game of Thrones. So I, I, I work with a, I worked with a great group of guys, you know, driving that show. Um, Kendall needs a show that has his imprint on it. And I feel like, a college basketball or an NBA draft show. If yeah, if I had one, it'd be probably be both. Yeah, yeah, maybe we. Yeah, exactly. You could do a thing where it kind of blended in, but I feel like you know someday that day is gonna come where Kendall's gonna be hosting his own show. And I don't know who that's gonna be. You know, leading that with him, that might be me. That might be some future person that uh, I don't even know who's in, in the fold of new generation. So people that are you know following this journey, that enjoy our content, keep listening, keep supporting. And you know that content, that kind of stuff is going to be coming. Don't you, don't you, uh, don't you wait up too long. You know, but let's let's stick with uh, college basketball to start at the top of this show today. So as I said before, uh, college season is underway, and as we alluded to last week, we were very lucky to get some 
premier action to kick off the season. Duke forced 28 turnovers and got clutch scoring from Trey Jones and Cassius Stanley to defeat Kansas. And the nightcap of that doubleheader at MSG, Tyrese Maxley really uh, introduced himself to the world. He made a big name for himself, dropping 26 and then went over number one Michigan State. There were other notable debuts this week. Cole Anthony uh, had a record-breaking 34 performance, 34-point performance in his win against Notre Dame. And on the flip side, uh, Syracuse only scored 34 points <laughs> in their loss to Virginia, and a score that's kind of you have to see to believe. It looked like a high-scoring college football game. Um, Louisville had dominant win over over uh, Miami, and uh, Gonzaga had an impressive win over uh, Alcorn State. They're number eight in the country. More games happening throughout the week. Kendall, first big takeaway from the first set of games so far. Well, I, I, I'm going to discuss that uh, that Syracuse-Virginia game a little later. But um, I, there's been a lot of a lot of interesting things, obviously, um, from these. It's only been a couple of days, but it's been a, a, uh, a, I would say, an eventful couple of days because these teams now, now it feels like college basketball are not – whether it be by force or by choice, um, these teams are, are scheduling real opponents to start the season. So, you know, the ACC, they all played their games against each other, which was interesting. Um, you know, and uh, a lot of that had to do with the the ACC network and, you know, that being unveiled this this, this week or this year, I should say. Um, so, obviously, they wanted to get ratings and, some coaches are with it. Some coaches are not. Uh, Jim Beheim was very much against it, as well as some others. Ray Williams, I believe, was also against it. But someone like Mike Bray uh, was very for it. So now we know. Now we know why Jim Beheim was against it. Because he was oh like, yeah, he's like my team ain't scoring no 40, 50 points against Virginia on day one. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> yeah. need a lot more work. I mean, we've seen Jim Beheim's teams lose to D two teams <laughs> start the season. So right. He he knew better than anybody that we ain't the kind of team that want ACC smoke to start the season. But, uh, <laughs> but um, but no, but I mean, obviously the Champions Classic. You mentioned the, the Duke Kansas game. You know, they the conversation that there was a a conversation that I saw happening about you know if if Duke better if Duke better without Zion now because they had this you know whatever it was three point win. Against uh, Kansas uh, on a neutral on a neutral site, <laughs> that is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. But why are um, people so? I, people are saying just because they won their first game that they may be better a better team this why, year. Why the conversation was had on television is <laughs> because they had to find a way to include Zion in the conversation. But <laughs> how, dis- how, first of all, how disrespectful is that is to my man RJ Barrett? Like that man didn't average like twenty four and lead the team in scoring. Right. Set right, ACC records. Right. And even in slighting last year's Duke team, they found a way to even slight RJ Barrett even more than right. Zion Williams, but not even mentioning uh the fact that him being gone would also mean that that would make this Duke team better. That's just absurd. But anyway, continue. But but from a from a logical perspective, the reason why the the case that that I've heard that was made is essentially that, you know, the the they're better, you know, better chemistry, better defensively, uh, you know, you have a better senior or not a senior but an older point guard now and Trey Jones that just points that like are relevant but I mean Zion Williams is one of the greatest 
basketball player you've ever seen. So I can't. I don't think I don't one know, person. I can't do it better. I don't think one person legitimately believes in their heart that this Duke team is better than last year's team. They don't have a better chance. I, I really feel team. like I, I'm giving. I'm actually giving people saying that the benefit of the doubt by saying that they're lying either to themselves or to their audience because I don't understand how you could have one of the best college basketball players we've seen in the last 15 years be generous and then another guy who's a number top three pick in the draft and say that the team that has neither of those guys has no guy as good as either of those two guys is better this year and the best player coming back is the point guard from last year's team who couldn't shoot Right. I don't. Who still? Who still can't shoot? He shot over four from three last night, or a couple nights ago. Look, he look. I mean, this is the same dude team that I I talked about last week, having almost lost to a division two team in an exhibition. I mean that that's just not going to happen if they had Zion. But <laughs> with that being said, impressive performance. I think it had more to do with. And I think this is the theme around college basketball in general. I think parity is going to be very high there. I mm-hmm. think. I don't think we'll see any team. I think there will be teams like a Gonzaga or a Memphis that win a lot of games. But it'll be from – it won't be from a Power 5, Power 6 school. Like, you're not going to see a team in the ACC win 30 games this year. You're not going to see a team in the SEC – win 30 games this year. I think all these teams are pretty much beatable. Um, I think we saw that with the Champions Classic, and it's, it's hard to tell because all those teams are top four, so you're like, are those just the four best teams? But, uh, like, Kansas looked beatable last, and you know, this week. You know, Duke looked beatable this week. Um, Kentucky and, and Michigan State didn't look like world beaters, and those are apparently the top two teams in the country. You know, I watched Louisville. They looked solid against Miami, but one, this Miami team's not really that good. No. And they're on the road, so it's still an impressive win. But, like, Miami was – it was a close game for the first half, you know, and Louisville started to break away. But um, I, I just think the theme is going to be that a lot of these teams aren't there's, – there's not going to be a team like last year's Duke team or the Kentucky team with Carl Anthony Towns and – you know Devin Booker, like those those types of that. I don't see that this year in college basketball. Um, but I mean, you're right. I mean, Tyrese Maxey, absolutely. I mean, he came off the bench, which I don't think will happen very much <laughs> going forward. But you know, he came off the bench and just absolutely lit up Michigan State. You know, and I I, I think the second theme beyond the parody in college basketball, which is something else that I want to mention, is that these this is a group of freshmen that. Look, as someone that's, that follows high school basketball, uh, especially this particular class, because Memphis, I'm a big Memphis fan, and, you know, we've gotten bigger in the recruiting game, so I've had to pay more attention than I have <laughs> in prior years because we weren't in the game. But um, I so I paid attention to this recruiting class, and this is a recruiting class that has been seen as a weaker class. You know, oh, James yeah. Wiseman was one player coming in, but... He wasn't somebody that people thought was a, you know, an obvious stud. You know, there was no, like, obvious number one pick or some obvious superstar. This was supposed to be a weaker class. Um, it's kind of up in the air, which is why LaMelo Ball seemed to be one of the favorites to go number one. But 
they like there there were some some impressive performances by some of these freshmen so far. You know, like Maxi was a guy I wasn't really that high on, but I mean he looked I he looked like a, a like I don't know a comparison. I saw one person throw out Brandon Knight. Um, uh, I got one for you. How about a uh, guy we saw get drafted this year, Kobe White? That's an interesting one. You know, oh, he, a little bit of size. He does he has some Colin Sexton in, in him in terms of build and energy. Uh, but I, in game, I think I agree. To, uh, Kobe White to the comparison as well. Kind of a no conscience shooter. Good pull up. Supremely confident, can pull up from anywhere. Um, I think he's a little bigger than Sexton. Sexton is smaller than he was listed coming out of Alabama. Um, he's not probably as big as White, but he's not that much shorter. Uh, not really a point guard per se, but just, you know, a guy who could just fill it up. You know, a guy who's a walking bucket. You know, that's what I saw from Maxi. So he he is a, he was impressive for sure. Um I think that if none of these teams in the top four that we saw this week make it to the final four, I don't think it'd be least be surprising. I'd I, pick the field over any of these four teams. I think that's a fair that's a fair thing to, to say. Like, if you told me like one of these four teams is gonna make the final four or none of them, I would, I would go bet no. I mean that's not I don't think that's an unfair bet if you if someone wanted to do that because um you know, Michigan State is a team I probably felt the best about going into that week, and they lost. Now, obviously, this is the very first game of the season, so you definitely don't want to, you know, freak out. And and weren't they missing? Uh, Josh Langford. Yeah, Langford didn't play, so I'm not going to freak out. But you know, you know what what kind of offensive team they're going to be. You know, we know Izzo's offensive team tend to be kind of up and down. You know, Cassius Winston is is certainly one of the uh, premier uh, guards in the country and you know you're going to get um you know Langford hopefully will give you more scoring but you know do they have uh you know a, a variety of ways to score consistently all right the, the firepower like typically the preseason number one type of team has more firepower. more firepower yeah they've seen that you're right they're definitely a team that you look at and say oh man they got weapons all over the place Michigan State has extremely good players. They're, yeah, they're relying a lot on Cassius Winston being a superstar, which he he's is. a great player, yeah. but like he's not going to be your get you thirty every night type of guy. And yeah, I think, and have, I almost feel like, and I and I kind of feel like Winston last year kind of like you know he kind of strikes me as also I don't know if he's going to be like the greatest regular season type player, you know? Right. Like I feel like over the course of a season, I think he'll get better and better. Um, but I don't know if he's the kind of guy that oh he's on my squad. I'm I'm winning thirty five. I'm winning thirty two games. Like I don't I don't know. I know in March I'm gonna be in great shape. And I know you know in a Big Ten tournament or late you know big games. I I know I happen. But he's a little guy. Um, you know he, he can you know little guys they they have their limitations and he's there by far the best player. So and everything I, again, I felt best about uh, Kentucky. I didn't. I thought it was supremely overrated, but I didn't think we get what we got from uh, from Maxi. So I mean, if he ends up being a, a truly, you know, deadly type of scorer, then then maybe I feel feel a little better about them. But I, I still think their front court is pretty weak. Um, I think Duke is a major question mark because uh, somebody's gonna have to emerge as 
a go-to scorer. And I don't know if he really got an answer to that even in the first game. Um, no, he didn't. It was, it was a kind of a, a plethora of guys who all kind of, you know, when Stanley had the best game, but he wasn't like a, their go-to scorer. He only took like five or six shots during the game. Right. Uh, he gotta, he's going to get off in transition and, you know, get a lot of easy buckets. But in the half court, how are they going to find scoring? Yeah, Which, I, last, I think you assume. Again, why the whole Oliveira, Zion, and Barry thing makes right. no sense. Yeah, I mean, because when they play Virginia, they're gonna have a lot of trouble scoring the basketball. I mean, now, I, th- I think for now you assume that hurt, hurt and Vernon carry be that guy. Yeah, but they didn't necessarily, and they didn't have terrible games, but they didn't necessarily show out that way in the first game. You know, will they get better as this year? As I, no, I think on? that was a tough matchup. You know, like it was for sure. Kansas isn't, you know, they they they're also a team that's gonna have some trouble offensively, but like. In terms of size and like yeah. length, like they're almost an NBA team. For so sure. like, Hurt is not gonna. He's just not gonna go off against those guys. Same with Vernon Carey. Like those guys are more. I don't say they're bullies, but like, you know, they're freshmen. So like, they'll dominate against the guys that they kind of dominated in high school. But then when you put them against tougher level competition, then you know, then that's when they're gonna struggle. You know, so. I think that's a tough game for them to have their first game against. Um, when they play the weaker teams, like those guys will probably go off offensively. You know, um, I'll tell you what though, a guy who did play a weaker team but looked incredible was uh, my guy James Wiseman, man. Oh yeah, I, I was gonna say I forgot to mention him. He was. I mean, look, he didn't play in the exhibition games, and there was some there was some panic amongst a lot of Memphis fans about. You know, is he is he ever gonna play? You know, is he gonna be eligible? <laughs> Nobody. He was dealing with an ankle injury, quote unquote ankle. People didn't believe, uh, but I see why people didn't believe it because he, he looked fine when he came back and um, dropped twenty eight points uh, and I believe ten rebounds, eleven rebounds. I don't, remember, I don't even remember. He had, how like, many he had like twenty two in the first half, right? Yeah, yeah, twenty points in the first half. Uh, he only played twenty two minutes. Yeah, and had twenty eight points. So, I mean, again, he was playing South Carolina State, so it has to be that has to be prefaced. But um, he could have legitimately had forty if if he needed to or wanted to. Um, probably could have fifty if he needed to. But like, if he would have played an extra ten minutes, he probably could have got to forty. Um, but it looked the game looked so easy. Uh, and when he, when we talk about NBA draft now. There, there are two times that I remember, really three. I didn't watch, uh, I didn't watch much of the the Kentucky Duke game last year when Zion went off, mm-hmm. um, because it was a blowout. It was late, you know. That was a like a nine thirty game or whatever. So I was like, I don't feel like watching this. But, um, there were two times in particular in the last like five years where I watched a freshman like I wa- I watched a freshman debut. And said to myself, "Oh yeah, it's got to be the one pick in the draft. Like even if I, even if I feel like they should or shouldn't be, I've thought like, oh, this guy looks like he looks like he's the number one pick in the draft. Right. Ben Simmons when he played at LSU, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy yeah. gives me the number one pick. And when I saw DeAndre Aiden, I was like, yeah, it's got to be the number one pick. And James Wiseman, I get the, I get a similar, I get a similar thing of like." It just looks so. It looks so easy the way he just got his points and the way he moved. Like, 
Cole Anthony was was dynamic. I mean, his jump shot when he he took he had these goggles on, and when he took the goggles off, he he started hitting shots. But um, once he took those goggles off, he looked like he was Trey Young. But um, he's his scoring just came so much harder than than Wiseman's did. Like Wiseman got twenty eight points, and it looked like he didn't break a sweat. So and what's crazy about him saying you didn't break a sweat is that. He also plays extremely hard. That was really impressive to me, too. Like, you know, sometimes you see these big guys, especially, you know, against a team like South Carolina State, you know, okay, like, are they going to coast? You know, are they really going to... Yeah, you get pushed around a little bit. Like, this guy was running end-to-end, flying all over the court. Now, South Carolina State doesn't have, you know, the kind of size most, you know, top-tier teams will have. So, when you see him... Right, yeah, so you see him just jumping over guys' rebounds. I mean, some of that stuff, you have to say, okay, that's just his size. When you say, you know, his points came easier. But I think, the flu, as you said, the way he moved, the fluidity of everything he did. I mean, he's doing Euro steps on fast breaks. Like, he he was he looked impressive. There's no question. And, you know, again, you don't want to take too much stock into South Carolina State. But, you know, there were early questions about, okay, is Wiseman the kind of player that, playing for Memphis, a team that's, you know, very talented but super young. Like, you know, a lot of people have been pointing them as a team that's going to be the most overrated. And partially because, like, Wiseman, as talented as he is, may not be the best college basketball player, per se. I don't think that you could have watched that game and come with that that that, right. that take. Every much the number one player coming out of high school is anybody else, you know, that we've seen. It's not, this isn't an NBA ranking, like, uh, he he looks like he's the best freshman, you know, along with some other guys that are obviously in that conversation as well. But this isn't like a guy that, you know, this isn't Mo Bamba or somebody. No. That's going to come in and, you know, he'll average 12, <laughs> 11, 12 points a game and, you know, getting the foul trouble a lot. Like, I mean, he like and you talk about the way he played in terms of the energy and that comes from, I think, being in high school, like. That was his knock. It was that he looked like he kind of played at half speed and, like, you know, kind of underperformed. You know, he would only yeah. show up when he played against Vernon Carey or, like, a top-flight big man. But then he get not dominated, but he, he, you know, he played down to his opponents, more or less. And so that's why some people were shaking on him even being the number one player coming out of high school. They were like, all right. And then McDonald's All-American game, like, he was something like he balled out. And people were like, well, yeah, he's got to be the number one guy. But... Before that, there was a real. There were some people that didn't have him at number one, but so I think now, he, now that he knows, like he can't coast because all eyes are going to be on him. He's the he's the top guy. People are going for that spot. He looks like he played with an energy that, like, that he knows that there's a stigma that he doesn't play hard or that yeah, you know, he plays down to the competition. So he wanted to go out there and dominate, uh, especially in his first game when there's a lot of chatter about you know. Does he want to be out there? Is he, is he going to shut it down? Like, what, what's up? Um, so I think I think that's going to be the guy we see all year. He's a smart kid. So he knows if he wants to be the number three in the draft, he can't coast. So, I mean, it's – and if, if if he looks like that, if you get that guy all year and he stays healthy, I mean, like, I mean, I think this Memphis team could be dangerous. You know, I don't think they're – I mean, I think they can win. That, that's why I put them with Gonzaga in terms of teams that – could win 28 29 30 games you know like conference play will likely be very easy for the memphis team 
Um, you mentioned Cole Anthony. Uh, we definitely know why he chose to go to North Carolina because Roy Williams said, "Yo, put it up as much as you want." <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he was jacking him up, but the kid can score. I mean, there's no no doubt about that. And you know, will he continue to shoot at this level? I mean, I don't, he's like at 34 every night. But will he consistently be that kind of three point threat all season? I have some doubts because I never built him. That's to not be his that, <laughs> yeah, I never built him to be that kind of shooter. Like I never, nothing I've ever seen, none of his numbers from high school or uh, the AAU circuit suggests he's that kind of shooter. Now, obviously, guys get better, and he could have worked on his shot. Um, but he definitely looked like day one he made the right decision to go to North Carolina because he was. Uh, he was a one-man wrecking crew, and that that's going to be their team this year. You know, they don't really have, you know, a deep roster of talent, you know. So it's going to be a lot of what we saw with Cole Anthony kind of just uh, running the show, and it, it should be exciting. Now, how many wins will they get? We'll see. They kind of struggled with Notre Dame for a lot of that game. And, yeah, and Notre until Dame he is, went off, they yeah. were going to lose. <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame is not expected to be a great team this year. Like, so... <laughs> So that you can look at the the dark side and say, okay, well, yes, you know, he had this big game, but y'all have to struggle with Notre Dame, who nobody really thinks is that good. At the same time, he, you're a freshman at 34 points <laughs> first game. So, Wait, how do you place. handicap? How do you handicap the uh, the 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 race for the uh, number one pick? Anthony Edwards also had 24 points his yes, debut. Did. You know, um, it, it's so early on, but. I mean, to you me, Paul's doing out in Australia. Yeah, he's got hype. And did you see what? Did you hear what Corey Alexander said on the ACC Network? He said after the game, uh, he's close with Cole Anthony and Greg Anthony. He said that uh, he was in Chapel Hill a couple weeks ago, and he, he said he's not supposed to let this get out. But he said Cole Anthony's been hearing a lot of the the chirping about Lamelo Ball, <laughs> and that you know he wanted to remind people that. He, you know he he he's still the number one point guard in the country, so uh, um, there's certainly I, a bit of a rivalry going on. I feel like it's so weird because I'm wondering at what point does what we've seen happen in the NBA with guard play being so prevalent? At what point does that like really start to take shape in terms of how we draft? Like in the NFL. Like even if the quarterback is nowhere near being the best player, a quarterback is always almost always going to be drafted number one because the idea is you got to be able to get a franchise quarterback and the teams that are drafting high, most of the teams don't have that guy or even even the team does have that guy, somebody will trade a king's ransom to get that guy. And to me, for whatever reason, the NBA doesn't seem to work under the same idea because my gut instinct to me told me. It's so early, but I feel like Wiseman would be the team, the guy that excites people the most over the course of the whole season. But that would go completely against how the NBA is being played. It's the same thing we had with with Aiden a couple of years ago. But he still and got drafted Aiden. number one, and it's, yeah, it, it's a stereotypical. It's, it's the same thing every year. Like we haven't had a point guard. And like to be honest, like years. I like DeAndre Aiden. Like you know, he, like I had no problem with him going number one. It was just that Luka Doncic was so crazy. And like him being like I always said, like like you just said, like him being a guard and a, 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 a an initiator of the offense, which is going to be way more valuable in today's NBA. Um, but we see also Trey Young 
probably should have been drafted of DeAndre. Right, like Dre Young, like should have went higher as well. Like, like why wasn't he drafted higher? Right, the league is tailored to his play, but for some reason, I feel like the the philosophy that's happening with the way the game is being coached has not caught up with the way the game is being evaluated on the draft. Now, what I I heard Mike Schmidt say. Uh, from Draft Express this week about Wiseman and the draft. He said, I think they asked him who, who he had number one or whatever. And he said, look, James Wiseman is the safer prospect. And that's the way teams look at it when it comes to the big man guard thing. Is that, like, it's a lot easier to be a bust at the point guard position than at the center. Because the center is so much easier. If you have the skill set that James Wiseman has, like, he may not be Joel Embiid, but if he's Miles Turner, like, you'll take it. Like DeAndre or Miles Marvin Bagley, those guys aren't superstars right now, but they're very good young players. I mean, you could end up with Trey Young or or Damian Lillard or some super dynamic point guard, but if you end up with Lonzo Ball or even what D'Angelo Russell was as a rookie or, you know, Marcel Fultz, like, I mean, look at some of the young point guards that we've seen that haven't, like, been great early on. Dennis Smith and... Frank Nelikino, like some of these guys struggle. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It's and all those guys are dynamic and talented. At least they were coming out of college. But it's, so. it's but to be Kendall is the same thing with NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's and, a lot of busted quarterback than it is at you know pass rusher. Right, and and that's the risk that you you're just gonna take. But like it seems like people won't take that. Aren't really necessarily taking that risk, and I'm wondering. When that catches up, uh, quickly on the metal ball, I've seen. Um, uh, shout out to Brian Oranger, uh, who you know, uh-huh. scout on YouTube, yeah. scout on a bunch of content. He basically said that uh, he, he basically said the metal ball hype is cap. He said the uh, I don't want to take twist his words, but like you know, Schmitz came out this week pretty strongly about the metal ball is going to have a. a he made it sound like Lamelo Ball right now is the number one pick in the draft. At least that was the sound that I saw. And he said that this he feels like a lot of what's being talked about with Ball is being driven purely by hype. Mike Schmitz doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that is gonna base evaluations off of. Yeah, yeah. I, that would surprise me. But you know, Lamelo Ball shooting is a major question mark in the league that. Shooting is very important. How much are we maybe jumping the gun on the Lamelo Ball? So, because I've been someone, we both have kind of been on the Lamelo Ball train. We both think that he's a tremendous prospect, and and the shooting numbers they they worry me. But then I also look at it and I say, look, yes, he's shooting nineteen percent from the from from three, but if he were to figure it out, and that's that's kind of a big if, but if he were which he doesn't look like he has broken mechanics or broken touch. Like, I think he can make shots. He would have almost no weakness offensively. Like, he'd still have weaknesses. But, like, so that's why I say, like, I don't want to overreact and say, oh, well, he's shooting poorly, so I can't draft him. Maybe I wouldn't draft number one, but I would still have him. I think I have him right below Cole Anthony. And that was where I had him coming into the, coming into the college season. Yes. Cole Anthony pretty much... I mean, he's better than what I expected last night, but he's, you know, he's been dynamic, which is what I would have expected. So, um, but he he's right behind Cole Anthony for me. 
Smitch, him being number one, I don't think he'll be the number one pick. Smitch's words were based on what I've seen. Lamelo is the most talented prospect in the draft. Orange just said that that was clickbait. And like the I way mean, it came, and 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 now Oranger is like uh, shout out to him. I've actually spoken to him. I want to get him on the show. We had a discussion about it. I'll leave it there. Hopefully, we'll get him on at some point. But Oranger definitely is a lot more aggressive with how he will talk about other people on Twitter than I would be. So I'm not going to be one to to um, cast that kind of doubt on Mike Schmitz, who I would also love to talk to on this show at some point. Um, but there is something about I kind like I don't know I don't want to sound like a hipster, a hipster NBA draft guy or like a you know a snobby NBA draft guy. But there is yeah, something same, those, those same hipster NBA draft people don't have James Wiseman as a lottery pick. So true, but it yeah. is it is there is something to like a lot of people. I feel like again me and you I thought were pretty early on. Lamelo Ball is a serious player. Right. And the way this and I could see I could see someone like Oranger jumping to clickbait when you like see like, like you know, they had this kind of random it seemed to be like a random onset or like a random hit that they did on SVP sports uh, you know uh, sports center where Schmitz makes this announcement essentially that LaMelo is the town sounds player in the draft. Like it was weird. I remember it, I watched it. And I watched all NBA draft stuff. So like, it it was really it was. I think that's that's the right way to put it. It was random. I was the, why are they even talking the, about? This? He the, didn't do anything. The presentation of it is going to lead to some people having question marks to the point where I, I do kind of wonder if this if these evaluations. Now again, I will never uh, accuse Schmitz of this because this guy lives, eats, sleeps, breathes. NBA draft content in basketball. I, I don't think he's. Gonna, he has balls. I don't think he's going to say anything he doesn't believe. But there is something to the idea that the presentation of Lamelo, since people are now starting to realize, oh, this kid actually is a player, that that could muddy the waters in regards to I think evaluating him fairly. And I think Oranger, while I don't agree this was done for clickbait on Schmitz's part, I think presentation with how. LaMelo Ball has talked about will be very interesting moving forward because we went through it with his brother. Like, we went through it with his brother, and there's there's no doubt that the hype behind him played a factor in it. Now, that was a lot was driven by LaVar. This time, LaVar really hasn't really been in the picture with LaMelo, at least this year. This is all just media, so we can't even blame LaVar at this point. So I think that's going to be something to pay attention to. When we talk about LaMelo and we see more and more people jump on that train. Uh, I just I just worry about clout chasers out there who, who come out of nowhere and then start saying, oh, actually, no, LaMelo Ball is the greatest, but it's like... Yeah, yeah. do I think that there is going to be some group think that comes with the LaMelo right. Ball? Thing? Of course, because he's going to make a lot of highlights and, yeah. you know, things of that nature. And, like, but, and he's the most high-profile prospect. It's gonna be pretty like if you didn't like the 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 Lonzo stuff like you're not gonna like the the Lamelo so in terms of like coverage it's gonna be pretty terrible but um I think it's good for I think it's good for NBA draft ratings um oh yeah you know which ESPN broadcasts so you got to put that in consideration right exactly like he's gonna be whatever Zion was like 
you know ESPN is kicking themselves that he's not playing college basketball right now. Oh, this, I mean, the whole college basketball model is all just furious that they don't have this kid playing. But, I mean, that is... And we still just we still will have no idea really what the impact of that is. Like, does it help his game? Does it hurt his game? I, I I really don't know. Like you said, he's playing such a weird league that's hard to kind of evaluate. Like, what is Australian basketball in comparison to college basketball? In All right, how much more ready America? does it get you? Like the guys that we've seen go to Australia. I mean, Terrence Ferguson's like the only guy that I can really go off of, and I don't think he did anything for him positively. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, but yeah. I mean, excellent. Played in Australia, yeah. He like played high school basketball. He didn't even play in the oh yeah, sure. In the league, like, so I, I don't know. You know, it it's 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 it, it, it is a case study, but yeah. um, I think he's gotten more from just the years of playing overseas and stuff, and all the experiences that he's had, um, and playing with his brothers. But yeah, no, Lamelo. I mean, he's dynamic. You know, I have my concerns with him. Um, and I forgot who said this. Uh, but I think it was Schmitz. It was Schmitz. He was on He was on Get Up, actually. And he was saying that, uh, you know, the concerns with him come with just in why he's not the safer prospect. Is can you go to your coach and say, this is guy, you're going to give the team to this guy and he's going to be the face of the franchise? And, like, and it's the same question marks that people always have with him. It's essentially a maturity question. And, uh, baggage question you know and like Lonzo was not ready to be the face of the Lakers when he was drafted um from off the court stuff to on the court as a player wasn't ready uh but LaMelo LaMelo can be more ready to be that than Lonzo was but the the issues that LaMelo uh raises the the concern red flag that LaMelo raised were different than Lonzo like Lonzo had little to do with Yes, it had something to do with his temperament, but it you never got the impression that he didn't take the game seriously. Right, he had way more, yeah, right. Like, you know, he like he, the baggage player. with him seemed to be around the fact that he kind of was so quiet, and yeah. because he kind of allowed the um, his dad and everyone else to kind of just circus, create this, right. create the circus around him, that it included LaMelo, because <laughs> let's be, keep it 100. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like, part of right, he's a part. He was a part of that circus, which then will get me to Lamella's point. Like that was the issue with Lonzo. It wasn't necessarily he. Like he's a red flag. It's like the stuff around him is a red flag, and he doesn't seem to be the kind of strong personality to control it. So how can he control being the face of the Lakers? That's the question for him. With Lamelo, he's more of like like giving the juvenile teenager your Lamborghini. What's the worst that can happen? Like, that's more right. of my concern with him. Like, I wouldn't have that concern with Lonzo. With Lonzo, I'd be like, hey, are you going to make sure your friends are going to clean them out, clean up the car, and they're not, you know, they're not eating food and spilling junk all over the place? Like, that wouldn't be my concern with Lonzo. That would be my concern with Lonzo. Not that right. he's going to crash the car. I'd have concerns that LaMelo may crash the car. He may go, right. you know, drag racing. <laughs> and then you're like, whoa, man, like, you need to chill. Like, you're 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 bigger than this, and you need to understand that there's something more that comes to it. Like, just... The way he carries himself raises those questions, and and so far and they might not they might not be fine. fair, but they, yeah, they yeah. might not be fair because when we we got to see him so young, he, he, since he went a, to Spire, yeah, since he, he went to Spire Academy, right, he is a kid, but like ever since then he's taking the game seriously, he plays hard, like you know, 
I don't know. I don't know if there's anything he can really fix. Just, just like I don't think Lonzo really could have fixed his issues. It just they they came with him. Now, as a team, as Schmitz laid out, and I agree with him, you just got to understand: Are you okay with it? Like Lon, Lamel does seem to be kind of more of a juvenile kind of kid, and are you okay with him being that kind of jovial kid? Do you trust him not to get let that fame and let that stuff get to his head? And that's where drafting number one, you know, there's some the little something that I've heard that. I forgot who, who who coined it, but they 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 call it uh, number one pick syndrome. You know, like you get draft number one, and then you know you essentially become a little bit more entitled. You know, mm-hmm. more or less, and you know you you feel like you've kind of made it. You know, some guys can't be drafted number one. You know, like, and I feel like Lamelo, it'd be better off for him if he were not drafted number one. Let's uh let's stay uh in the NBA here. We went from NBA draft to NBA, and let's go to this Clippers situation. So, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers have been fined fifty thousand dollars from the league for conflicting statements on Kawhi's health, Kawhi Leonard's health. Leonard was sidelined for a, a second consecutive national TV game for quote load management for a knee injury. Uh, now the league found that the Clippers did not break any rules by sitting Leonard uh, by recognizing that he did have a legitimate injury, but fined the team for Doc Rivers saying that he feels great and that there's no need for concern, that he hasn't felt any better. He's never felt worse, or rather, he's never felt better than how he does now, which would make it odd that he would then not play if he feels much better than he did last season. So, Kendall, I know you have a lot to say on this. Uh, uh, how do you feel about the league finding the Clippers, and how do you feel about how they've approached Kawhi's season so far with so many days off? Look, I am... Whenever someone starts with look, that means that you're about to come with something. So brace yourself, yeah, listeners. Man. I got some bars coming. So, look, I'm an NBA fan. I, I'm i not a Clippers fan, but, I, of course, I want to see Kawhi Leonard out there. The, I remember last week the Clippers were playing the Utah Jazz on national TV. And I, like, I... They were promoting Donovan Mitchell. They were promoting the heck out of Donovan Mitchell. I was like, why are they talking about Kawhi Leonard? It turns out Lou Williams was a starting small forward that night. <laughs> so <laughs> That makes sense. You know, it makes sense. Like, oh, okay, you know, they go to three-guard lineup, so that makes sense. Um, it's So, like, that was disappointing. Because, you know, I feel like the Jazz Clippers, like, that's a pretty good matchup. In Utah, you know, you know Western Conference, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi's not playing. No Paul George either. And which I think is also a bigger blow to the NBA is that Paul George is legitimately hurt mm-hmm. and can't, can't play. So, like, now the Clippers are a, like, they're a I-don't-want-to-watch-them team. You know, not a eh, team, like, it, what's the point? <laughs> it's yeah. the what's the point in watching. There are what's the point in watching the team, especially in a nationally tele- televised game when they're going up against the Milwaukee Bucks or the Utah Jazz team that'll probably roll, you know, <laughs> probably blow them out. Even if they don't. I don't care about anybody on that Clippers team. But with all that being said, it's it, like it's an embarrassment that the NBA feels like they can control what these organizations want to do when these organizations are, in theory, doing one, what's best for the player, and two, what's best for the organization. I understand it may not be best for the league's ratings, Um like, one, maybe the NBA shouldn't be scheduling the Clippers uh, in a back-to-back with two national TV games. 
or on a back-to-back with the second one being an actual TV game. Because mm-hmm. at that point, you know Kawhi is not going to play. You know, you just have to be smarter about that. But more importantly, I think it's like if I'm the Clippers and I feel like what's best for me winning a championship is Kawhi Leonard not playing 82 games. I saw some quote, you know, Michael Jordan, apparently Steve Ballmer, not Steve Ballmer, uh, Steve Clifford, Mm -hmm. he's the coach of the Hornets, obviously, coach of the Magic now, said Michael Jordan used to say, used to tell a guy, I guess he still does, look, you're paid to play 82 games. That's not in the CBA. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Maybe that should be in the CBA. If the NBA really wants to make this conversation go away, put it in the CBA, contractually obligate these guys to play 82 games or they're not getting paid for the game that they rest or they sit out. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, this will then become a real conversation. Injuries or not, guys aren't getting paid unless they're out there performing. And then this wouldn't be a conversation because then guys would legitimately, these guys, these guys would be playing if it costs them a game check. That's never going to happen. But, like, the, the, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't feel comfortable playing or doesn't want to play, he doesn't have to. It's like... I understand from a fan's perspective, you go to the game, put it in the ticket. You know, like, when these fans are buying tickets, they should understand the, the chance Kawhi Leonard might not play. You know, and, I mean, we went to we went to the Vegas Summer League, EJ. Yeah. Like, how many times did we say to ourselves, like, you know, this guy might not play. Like, he might be resting. You yeah. know, and it was it was unfortunate. It was like, it's a, it's a shame. Or sometimes... You wouldn't even know a guy wasn't gonna play. You'd be like, "Oh, this is gonna be a good game." Then you see the guy sitting out. Like, yeah, you see him wearing a polo shirt. You're like, "What the hell?" You see him wearing a yeah. You see him in a polo. In a polo. You're like, "Oh man, that sucks." But I don't feel like, "Oh, well, let me get my money back." Then, like, come on now. Like, you understand the situation. Just like if if some dude tore his ACL, there aren't gonna be Warriors fans going to these Warriors games saying, "Why isn't Steph Curry playing?" I know he had a broken wrist, but he owes it to me to play. Like. Let's be let's be realistic. I understand. Look, Kawhi is healthy, but he's not. He'll never be like you know. We always had that conversation of you know, like look, Kawhi Leonard is never going to be healthy. He's only going to be rested. At right. This that's point. shout out to Charles Barkley. Yeah, that's Charles, Charles Barkley. Barkley. You, you get a certain never, age, a certain amount of season in the NBA, you're never going to be healthy. You just rested. You know, and it it goes it goes kind of hand in hand with the with the the, the you know David Fisdale. R.J. Barrett minutes conversation. Those are just, those like, are just, I think those are just idiotic statements, which is, and I don't say that lightly because I, I, I think highly of Fisdale's intelligence. But to say that you don't care about a guy racking up minutes in meaningless games that really, that you're getting blown out in and how that can't possibly affect him because just he's young, it's just, it's just dumb. Just, just not a smart thing to say. I don't know what, I don't know what's way to put it. I was, I was extremely disappointed in Fizdale's uh, response. Now you can say, look, I think because he's young and I want him to get more time. I think that, uh, I think he needs these minutes to get these reps. I almost would have took that. Then uh, he has a day off tomorrow and he's nineteen. He'll be fine. That, that's not, yeah, that's and, not okay. And, now when and, you're talking about you're, you've invested millions of dollars into this kid, and the, because of the terrible job you and the front office has done he's the only reason why this team has any hope for the future that you think so callously of his health was extremely alarming and not not to mention this is the same organization not the same coach but the same organization that uh got 
Chris Porzingis injured. Like they exactly. just so it just seems bizarre. But then also just in the NBA perspective, like you would think that the NBA would understand why this is a real thing after seeing what happened to Kevin Durant. Yeah. So like, the NBA says this, but if Kawhi Leonard blows out his knee because he was playing on a back to back and he wasn't rested and then he's out for the year, now how's the NBA gonna look? Because when the postseason comes and the ratings when the ratings really do matter and they're bad because the star players like Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard aren't playing, how are you gonna feel? It's 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 proven science. Muscle fatigue leads to uh, stress on joints, stress on bones, which lead to injuries. It's just, I don't know what else to say. I mean, if we're literally, it, like, it's to me, it's, it's incredible. And me and you on the same page on this. It, it's incredible to me that the people that are against these guys resting or the the, uh, the NBA who's trying to litigate this, it's un- incredible to me that they just don't understand that. Like, it's the idea that your players will be more fresh and less injury prone if you play them less seems like a pretty simple thing to understand why there's this crazy backlash about it i don't quite understand people keep running to well back in x year whatever year guys played 82 minutes 82 games guys played 40 42 minutes just put on the tape of a game that's played in 1988 put on a gate a tape of a game that's played in 1995 put on a tape of a game that's played in 2005 Put on the tape of a game that's played in 2010. The game is so much faster. There's so many more possessions in a game. I was going through the stats before. Because when you take a team like the Knicks, for example, who had this issue with the low management. The Knicks are not one of the fastest teams in the league. They're one of the slower teams in the league. And they don't score a lot of points. If the Knicks played just in 2005, I'm not going that far back. If the Knicks played in 2005, took this Knicks team and put them in 2005, they'd be the third best offensive team in the league. Or rather, they'd be the third fastest paced team in the league. Like, the amount of possessions they play in games is still way faster than the way everybody was playing in 2005. Like, they'd make the Dallas Mavericks and Sacramento Kings of that era look, they'd look like those teams. Like, they'd look like one of those teams. Those teams in our, back in those days, were like teams that were running up and gunning like crazy. The game is so much different now. And the more possession, the more times you're going up and down the court, the more times you're defending, the more times you're jumping, the more times you're shooting, that is, there's more action in the game today than they were back in the, in the day. So when you're talking about um, player health and resting guys, isn't the goal at the end of the day to win a championship? And aren't the Clippers' best chance to win a championship if the Kawhi Leonard is healthy? What I don't understand is, it's weird to pick the fight with the guy that proved that this already works. It'd be a lot different, Kendall, if this was James Harden, who actually is against this and would never do this, and D'Antoni is against this and never do this. But let's say James Harden decided, oh, I want to take days off. And he actually may have a case to do it. But then then we got to the playoffs and he looked the same way he looked last year. Then you say, well, look, man, this guy said he needed all this time off and he still looked slow and tired and worn down by the time we got to the playoffs anyway. So what did it do? Kawhi Leonard, we saw his issues with San Antonio. We saw him come to Toronto where they put a clear load management process in there. Not only did we see how it helped preserve him throughout the season, because he started to break down in the playoffs. 
But perhaps had he kept playing all 82 games last year, maybe he would have been in worse shape by the time they got to the NBA Finals. He wouldn't be able to perform. And not only did Kawhi play at the high level he did that ended up making him be Finals MVP and winning an NBA championship, but as the the Spurs and Greg Popovich said in the past, we also saw how it improved the other guys on the team because the other guys had all these games of having to win games without Kawhi and learning how to take over and learning how to close when he's not there. So when they got to the playoffs and you see Fred Van Vliet having these incredible games or Pascal Siakam having these incredible games when Kawhi has nights off nights, they don't look like deer in headlights because they've been there before. It actually helps the team uh, as a whole. It, it, it's like crazy that like I can understand maybe in a vacuum having this argument to have this argument with this player seems ridiculous because we've seen it work already. Like, like something worked with this guy and it worked for their team and we're going to argue against them doing that. How does that make any sense? And I also don't think I also think it's ridiculous that in in baseball. We have guys taking days off all the time and the fans know if your best player is a catcher. I, I know Mike Piazza has played the last six days. I know he's not going to he's going to rest on that seventh day. Like, I, I, you know that as a fan. Wow, I'm not going to go and freak out because he's not in the lineup. All right. It makes sense. Um, pitchers don't start I, I, every pitchers don't start every, every night. Yeah, they don't start every night. I go to the game understanding that, hey, this pitcher may get the night off or there are I some pitchers. Right. Or some yeah. pitchers may get skipped because they want to get more rest because you know why? They don't want them to blow out their elbow. Like baseball is understood. They put in pitch counts. They put in uh, innings limits. Look, why? Because guys were throwing out their elbows. Like, that seems logical. The idea that now just because something was done in the past and it seemed okay, when we don't take into context how the game was played, it's like saying, you notice know I can know? It's like saying, oh, man, like why don't we, you know, we had pitchers in 19, you know, 35. These guys were pitching every other day and they were throwing nine innings. Why, why do we have bullpens? Why do we have guys taking five days off? It's like, well, the guys before, they probably weren't throwing 100 miles an hour. <laughs> like, like there's there's differences in the game. Um, you know, the guys they're playing against weren't, you know, big 230-pound, 240-pound guys that could knock the ball out of the park. The ballparks were a lot bigger. The baseballs weren't jacked up the way they are now. Like, there's a lot of reasons why things were done in a different way in different times. Just apply old concepts to today's age and say that because it worked in the past, it should work now. It's just antiquated. Uh, yeah, I, just too many. We've seen too many guys get injured because they played too many minutes. Like Derrick Rose. DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, Penny Hardaway. I mean, people even bring up Jordan. Like, Jordan, what do you, broke his foot in the second year of his, <laughs> of his career? I mean, he didn't have injuries after that, but I, I don't know. I just. At this point, like, if the, like, as a Celtics fan, if Brad Stevens was running Jason Tatum into the ground, or if he was running Gordon Hayward or, or Campbell Walker into the ground, I'd be like, that's that's irresponsible. Because we're trying to win a championship. I, I and That's a weird thing, too. I don't think, Kendall, I, 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 I could be wrong. I never heard of any fan base being frustrated by their team sitting their guy. It's always it, just people who don't root for those teams. 
Like I honestly, like, I never heard the Raptors yeah, fans complaining about Kawhi taking days off. I've never Raptors been, fans love that, right? I never, yeah, I don't, I didn't hear Spurs fans complaining about the days off they the pop would give to Tony Parker and Tim Duncan and it's stuff. Not, they don't do it to spite the fans. Of they course. do it. <laughs> they do it to better their chances of winning a championship. And of the course. fans understand, at least the the real fans. And I don't like to use the term real fans, but the 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 intelligent fans or the fans I don't even like to use that term, but like the fans that really really know what's going on understand that it's it gives them a better chance to win a championship. You know now I I understand like for example Nick fans that are upset, you know, or that are that are happy that Barrett's playing a lot of minutes. Like it does give them a better chance to win games if, if he's course. playing a lot of minutes. So like unfortunately he's their best player. Different, yeah, exactly. That's a different conversation. But, like, the Clippers understand a, a, a Tuesday game against the, the Jazz doesn't affect. It may affect seeding, but they're willing to give that up if it means Kawhi Leonard's healthy. You know, like, they they like, they like make this decision logically. And, again, this is only the, – the real fans that are upset are the fans that are watching on TV that aren't really even, like I said, fans of the team but are watching a national TV game of two teams that they don't root for because again it's also not gonna be bucks fans if they're playing the clippers or jazz fans they're not gonna be upset they're gonna be happy. oh yeah yeah trust me next like, oh, night where Kawhi was out i'm i'm like all right you might actually win a game tonight yeah i'm i'd love it if i'd love it if the clippers sat Kawhi when we played them as a Celtics fan like so it's only going to be the neutral fan that doesn't care or maybe it's the maybe it's the fan that that likes the clippers but like that just doesn't make sense to me that's that's a different conversation, but the real and that's that's the thing. The NBA is making this about the they're making this about the fan who buys the ticket. In reality, this is about television money. Of course, yeah. The, the, you, the, the one they're not gonna not buy. They're not gonna not buy tickets. Yeah, the one fan that's upset that you know LeBron didn't play when he when he went. That's not changing the NBA's bottom line. Like. The problem is when people stop watching games on television because they don't know if Kawhi's going to play or not, or if he because he doesn't. He and didn't my play. and my advice to them is that's the only way this changes. They're like stop watching nationally televised basketball games. We know ain't that ain't going to happen. So, uh, right. so my thing is I don't know why people are are, are, are freaking out about this because and look the, like I mean the ratings have probably gone down a little bit, but it's not again it's not enough to to really really make a difference and. To me, like, what can the NBA do about it? Like, again, you can't. I, well, I said, I've said it before. I, I said it before. I mean, regular jobs have designated days off, personal days, sick days. That's so Shannon Sharp. He, he made that point. He was like, he was like, why? Why came to Fox Sports? You know, I, I, uh, you know, I haven't had a normal job, so I didn't know about paid time off. He's like, but I know when you get to a new job, you know, you have to accure, you know, paid time off. It's like Kawhi Leonard, he's at a new team. <laughs> I feel he's got to accure his paid time off. Well, <laughs> well, if you're someone like Kawhi Leonard, like typically that means like you're, you're when you're paid the way the amount of money he's paid in the position he's playing, he gets put into a higher standards and he doesn't have to accrue anything normally. That's how that job would work. Now he was sure. a, he was an entry level. He was the ball boy. That ball boy has to accrue his work time off. It's not just. Anybody, we're using that analogy. But to my thing, seriously, like, just give every player five games. You know, like, just say, all right, you have five games for, you can just sit a guy for whatever reason. 
And any reason outside of those five games, you have to give us a legitimate injury or else you're going to be fined. I think that that's fair. I think that the team, the players would, uh, would would agree to that. And to me, I'm sorry. I don't think five games where Kawhi's not going to play is not the craziest thing in the world. Like, I, I think that that's reasonable. Or even it was like eight games. I, don't, I, I just think, I think that five seems like there will still be more. My thing is, there's going to be. Yeah, maybe I'm but, overthinking it, but like, I don't think Kawhi is playing more than six. But to me, like, to me, like that would I almost wouldn't mind that because that would add uh, strategy to the whole season. You have to pick and choose when you're going to give your guys those that time off. But like, and and and, and, and then it establishes a an understanding with the fans that this guy has X amount of days throughout the year, and there may be days where he he has the night off because of rest. Like, I don't know. Basketball is a sport that's played usually three or four times a week. And I mean, baseball is played almost every day. And, guy, again, guys take days off, sometimes two days, two days off in the span of a seven or eight-day stretch. And nobody bats an eye. And the fans will go crazy because, oh, my God, why isn't, you know, Trout in the lineup tonight? Like, it, you just understand he has a night off. Like, it's 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 part of that sport. Um no, in hockey, goalies get the night off, and they have a second goalie who has to be ready to go and who plays because you can't just have your goalie playing all eighty-two games. It, it, like yeah, other, man, I work other, in, other sports, make it makes sense. I don't know why in basketball now we're we're, we're like resisting this. I work for a minor league baseball organization, and that organization played against uh, Tim Tebow mm-hmm. when he's with the, when he's with the or he is with the Mets, obviously. And they played against Tim Tebow. And there were nights where we played against Tebow and he was not in the lineup. And I'm sure there were a lot of fans. As someone who, you know, was at those games, I was upset at times. But I didn't feel like, oh, man, I was cheated. Or, like, Tebow owes it to me to play. He doesn't owe me anything. It's his season. It's unfortunate that he wasn't out there. But I, I, like... Why like why are fans why do fans feel entitled to watch these guys like you're you're not paying the ticket doesn't say you know come see Kawhi Leonard play against Donovan Mitchell yeah I mean yeah you're right like if to me like if I went to see a Canelo Alvarez fight and a Canelo side oh I'm actually taking the night off for you know low management well that's 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 like that's right. wrong because like the fight is is the game is 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 being is it's it's Canelo Alvarez he can't just on fight night, decide. I actually, you know, I need low management. I'm tired. You know, I'll, I'll fight next month though. Like, okay, that's different. But again, John right? Jones. Yeah, the the ticket. Yeah, John Jones decides. Oh yeah, I'm. You know, I'm tired and I need rest. So I just need to take. Or he failed the drug test. Right. You know, like, <laughs> like that's different. That there would be a reason to be upset when a guy like John Jones is can't fight because he failed drug test. Someone else can't fight because they're failed drug test. It's different with sports when it's a team sport. Like. You know, I don't know. Me and you are, are very much in agreement on this. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who are yelling at us who think that we're crazy on this, but I don't. I just don't have an issue. I've, look, ne- I've never, had, I've never had an issue being, with this. Maybe it's rooted in us being diehard basketball fans, where we say to ourselves, "Like, I can still watch." The goal is to win a championship, so therefore, yeah, I understand. The goal is to win a championship, and like, I can still watch a game if Mo Harkless is out there. You sure, know, like, exactly. Like you know, it doesn't it doesn't completely tarnish the the the, the product. Like if I watch if if I went to a hockey game and 
you know, I was going to see the Pittsburgh Penguins play, and Sidney Crosby decided, yeah, I ain't playing tonight because I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah but, I'd be pretty tight. I'd be like, oh, man, well, he's like yeah, man, one, one, one of the 15 players I, I know. Who, I don't know who any of the other guys are. <laughs> right. like, you know, yeah, like, 15 might be kind for me. Like, right. You know, so, like, yeah, he's one of 15 guys I know, and now he's not playing. He's the so, so I can understand maybe from that perspective, you're like, look, I'm not a, di- a die basketball fan. I just want. I just came to see, like you said, one of the star players in the league play, and he decided because he's worried about May that he's not going to play, even though he's, he's scheduled to play, and they give him proper rest. That, But that's the other conversation. Do these guys get proper rest? Man? I know they're trying, they're trying to give these guys, and that's the other way they can really fix it. If they want to really fix it without having to negotiate something in the CBA or whatever, and they still have to negotiate it, but like stretch the season out further. And it sounds crazy, and some fans are going to like it as well. But, like, back-to-backs is only, the only thing that's going to come with back-to-backs. Uh, it's always yeah. going to come with back-to-backs. Yeah, exactly. These teams are just getting smarter, man. It's just like with tanking. Like, teams, even if you put whatever stipulation you want about less odds to win or whatever, win the lottery or whatever, teams are always going to tank because it gives them the best chance to get a difference-making player, right? Yeah, to pick whatever player. Like math, it says you like even if I'm just getting the best odds, I will tank, even if it doesn't guarantee me the number one pick. Like this is just pure science. Like yes, if a guy plays less during the regular season, and we can, if we feel like as a team we can sustain uh, a winning record with this without this guy, we're gonna play him less. So we can save him, so that it lesser it lessens his chance and risk of injury. Of injury, and that's what the Clippers are saying themselves. The Raptors said last year, and they won a championship. So how can I look at that and say it's a flawed system? It may be flawed from the NBA perspective, but there's nothing they could do about it, man. The Anthony Davis thing last year, I thought it was a disgrace where they were forcing the Pelicans to play him when the dude literally quit on the team, <laughs> like. Like these, these teams shouldn't be forced. The NBA shouldn't be forcing these teams to do anything. Mm. I, I like that's my biggest pet peeve with the NBA, and they seem to be the league to do it the most. Is when they want to step in and control things as a league. Like it just feels, it's just bad, man. Like we can't get to this point where the league feels like we're going to control what a team does. They they stepped in and fired Sam Hinkie. It wasn't the Sixers didn't want to fire Sam Hinkie. The league was like, this is bad for business, so we're going to fire him. They, yeah, they, the they, yeah, they literally gave them a new vice president. Yeah, and then we told you, though, and then they say, yeah, this is who we're giving you guys yeah. as GM. And the guy ended up being competent. Like, they they were the ones that told the Pelicans to play Anthony Davis. The Pelicans didn't want to play him. They were like, this guy might get hurt. That would ruin our chances of, of getting something for him. NBA was like, no, you have to play him. Or else we're gonna find you every time you don't play. <laughs> like what? What? As a pelican, as a pelican, I'm like, who cares? We're the pelicans. Like nobody is. Yes, there may be one or two national TV games that you guys decided to put us on for whatever reason that like are gonna be messed up. But this doesn't ruin the NBA's season. Like yeah, our home fans don't even like them. They flip them. Yeah. They flip them off exactly. and tell them the, 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 to, to, hit, the to hit the to bricks. Star player. It's worse for the league to have a star player being booed on national TV right. by his home by his home fans than it is to have the guy not at the arena. So I don't know. But the league wants to be controlling, and this is another example of it. And 
Doesn't happen in the NFL. Doesn't happen in the NHL. Doesn't happen in Major League Baseball. Um, stay, moving to the NFL, we we're a little more than an hour in, so we'll move quickly through these last few topics. Um, Antonio Brown found himself once again in the news as they again, kind of appearing out of nowhere. Uh, he popped back into our lives with a seemingly random uh, tirade on social media today, though albeit um, it did come uh, after there was an earlier report from Justine Anderson that the NFL would be meeting with uh, AB within the week to uh, talk about his sexual uh, misconduct allegations and his and to hear his side of the story before levying whatever penalties or no non-penalties that they give him. Um, Brown uh, took to social media and uh, seemingly went on this tirade uh, that has since been retracted. He slammed the NFL by heralding expletives, saying the league was not treating him fairly and also not treating blacks fairly. Uh, he uh, demanded that they clear his name and then he kind of just completely reverse field, uh, like a you know, like a like a AB you know punt return, like he, <laughs> he was Dante Hall. Yeah, you know, he, he was like you know actually you know I'm just really frustrated and I, I want to play football and uh, I'm hoping that I can be back in the NFL really soon, which is like literally the complete opposite of what he had just said. So I tend to believe that maybe he didn't write this tweet. Again, I'll read the uh, actual tweet, the quote. He said, "I'm just very frustrated right now with the false allegations and the slander to my name." I love football and I miss it. I just want to play, and I'm very emotional about that. I'm determined to make my way back to the NFL ASAP. I mean, he literally said, Kendall, uh, making money off my sweat and blood, F the NFL, I'll never play in that ish. Treat black people the worst. Clear my name and go F yourself. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he wrote that last tweet. I think finally... Somebody in his camp, I think Drew Rosenhaus finally was like, all right, I've had enough of your nonsense. Like, you just, I'm never going to get paid with the way you're acting. So give me your phone. I'm going to tweet something, and I'm just going to lock it away. Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what it is with this guy anymore. I mean, I don't know if we've ever seen anybody like this. Like, I know, like, I feel like we kind of touched this topic before, but, you know, we've had T.O., we've had other, you know, for lack of a better term, diva receivers. But AB just seems to be on another level. And I, I guess the question becomes, you know, there was talk this week that the Seattle Seahawks may be interested and that Russell Wilson has really been, like, really been, like, pulling the team to try to make a move to bring him in. He seems so toxic and so, what's the word, combustible. I just I would I'd be concerned that he if he'd even make it to the field every week. I'd be concerned that he wouldn't that every second of every day he wouldn't be doing something that's going to end up him being banned from the league or off the team, force me to cut him because he does something crazy. He is so uh he is so erratic. I don't know. I can't I can't see how a team Takes a shot on him unless you're just so desperate. Because he just seems to be the kind of guy that would just cause more trouble than he's worth. I mean, he went to the Patriots and pretty much walked the company line. And he still was more trouble than he worth because it was something he was doing outside of football. It was him, you know, harassing some woman who made the allegations against him. Like, even if he's not tanking your team, I always feel like he's eventually going to be tanking your team. I, I don't I don't know. I, I would not touch this guy. And... 
this week, this tirade he just went on, do you think it was going to help him going into these NFL meetings? Why do you think he did this? I don't know. Uh, why Antonio Brown does anything at, at this point, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think it'll help him, like you mentioned. Uh, I look, I think he could probably still play. So, oh, we, I know he can play. We saw it in the game, one game he played, he still, he still could play. Right. So, I, I think there will be suitors eventually if he can clear his name and he can be eligible to play. Um, is it the season? I don't know. Is, I think it'll likely be next season. I think it'll be this all season when he gets picked up, but he'll get picked up because I mean, we, we think about the NFL like it's about your. I think it's it's about the bottom line. It's about your ability to play, and Antonio Brown's not really affecting the team's bottom line, and he can play. So, you know, I mean, look at Tyree Kill. I watched him destroy the Minnesota Vikings this week. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, and you know, he had his issues. Like these teams, these teams will, will, will let guys onto the field. Like, people thought Tyreek Hill would never play in another NFL game. So Antonio Brown, he'll be back. Um, as wild as it sounds right now, I'm I'm pretty confident about that. I think I I think he'll be back next year, but I I, I think his NFL career is 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 on its last legs. It's getting there, yeah. Because I just because I, I feel like he's one of those guys, like I said, that even when a team does give him a shot, he's gonna do something to shoot himself in the foot. He just can't help it. And I, I've said this on the show before. You know, when I see this kind of behavior, he's a grown man, so he's gonna do what he wants. But I, I sincerely hope the people around him get him the kind of help he needs. And you know, when I see his social media behavior, and I see him kicking it with DJ Khaled, like. I'm sorry, you know, I'm a hip hop fan. Like to me, I look at DJ Khaled, I'm like, yo, man, this is a you're talking, you're hanging out with a man who's clearly mentally unstable to me. Uh, I, I, and I, like, I don't say that lightly. Like, I don't want to say that he, I think this guy's mentally unstable, but he acts in an unstable manner. Like, you kicking it at his crib, like, all right, but are you talking to him about how he's doing? Are you trying to show him, like, all right, maybe this is how you need to move? Like, are you just like, I want to get a photo out with him and I want to, you know, for the great, do it for the gram, so to speak, like. To me, that's what's so whack about this is AB has not been shy in terms of being out in the public since he's been in his situation where, uh, you know, he, he he hasn't had a job. You know, you, you can look at his social media feed and you see him hanging out with, 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 uh, with big name people or hanging out within his community, hanging out at schools. And, uh, you know, I, I, my question becomes like, are any of these people going to, you know, actually hit him up and say, yo, man, you're doing good. Like, let me take you in and we could talk about maybe what's happening. Or are you guys just using this guy who's clearly has issues? Um, so at that part of it's been disturbing. I saw this and uh, it was even more disturbing because that seems like he's going backwards. And I don't, I don't know. I don't see an end in sight in terms of when this ends, which is why I say again, I feel like he could be on his last legs as an NFL player. Uh, big college football weekend this week, Kendall. Um, Penn State plays Minnesota, two teams that are undefeated. Uh, Minnesota surprisingly undefeated, but uh, the other big undefeated matchup that really has everybody's attention is going to be um, Alabama versus LSU. LSU comes in college football ranking number two. Alabama comes in number three. To round out the top uh, top five, we have Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Penn State, and Clemson. So right now, Clemson 
and Georgia at number six are the odd teams out at the very moment. Um, Kendall, this is a big game this weekend. Uh, do you have a pick? And what are you thinking? How do you what do you think about these rankings we have so far? Um, yeah, these these rankings were interesting, you know, because they don't really look much like the A people. No, uh, not at all. So. I mean, look, I think Ohio State is the best team in the country. I'm pretty sure I picked them when I was championship. If not, I think I, I picked I definitely picked them to go. I had Clemson and Alabama in a rematch. I think I may have picked Alabama over Ohio State. But um, right now, I think Ohio State looks like the best team in the country. Um, I think I picked Justin Fields to win the Heisman. So I don't think it's going to happen. But, he, I mean, he's still, I think, in the conversation, as well as, well as Chase Young, who's obviously a freak of nature defensively so um that team being number one isn't isn't i don't think polarizing uh it's polarizing but i don't think it should be but um lsu and alabama look one of those teams could be number one depending on what happens this weekend um that's gonna be a heck of a game uh i think as an nfl if you're a fan of the nfl i think watching joe burrow versus Tua is going to be a heck of a matchup because uh, Joe Burrow really snuck into the conversation for the number one pick. Yep. Kind of out of nowhere. You know, it was a Tua-Herbert conversation. Now it's become Tua versus Joe Burrow versus Chase Young. And um, it seems like a lot of the a lot of the smart people will tell you Joe Burrow should be the guy. I, I'm, I'm still in the camp that Tua, I think, is a can't-miss quarterback prospect. So, I, I mean, I would draft Tua, but... Um, but I also haven't sat down and really watched Joe Burrow and looked at him as an NFL quarterback. So I have, this would be my this would be my first time really watching him to see like, you know, you can watch a guy and like, you know, in the heat of the moment of competition. But now you really sit down and watch him. Like two, I've looked at and said like, how could he translate in the NFL? I think he I think he would do perfectly. But um, so I'll give that. We'll have we'll see what happens with Joe Burrow this weekend. Um, but. No, I think that um, the real, the really, the the big polarizing thing it was Clemson dropping the five. Yeah. You know, like they're a team. I mean, they they won the national championship last year. They've been you know undefeated this year. You know, they haven't been great. They just haven't really played anybody and haven't been haven't played inspiring football. Whereas Penn State, they have played some. They have played some some pretty good teams this year, and they've they've looked really good. Um, and you know, I believe they have the second highest strength of schedule in the league, or something in the country. I believe second rank strength of schedule or strength of record. I believe it is uh, in the country. So the the metrics suggest that Penn State's a really good team, but I don't think they're going to win this weekend. I mm. think that Minnesota going to uh, at home. PJ Fleck uh, is going to is going to have something for James Franklin. I think Minnesota is going to win that game. Uh, and I think Alabama will be LSU, but uh, very interesting rankings. Uh, also, having Minnesota was down, I believe, at seventeen. Um, so yeah, nobody's buying them yet. They got to be. They, buying they got to be the top-notch team. So this is going to be their chance. If they win, I think they're going to shoot. They're going to shoot up. They're yeah, gonna be in the top. I, I would uh, be concerned. Eight you know, or I'm nine, sure, probably. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of you know people. A lot of them probably feel disrespected, and I, I think all those teams. I think a lot of teams still control their own destiny. That's like, kind of why I think the the issue with Clemson that people have had I think is a little overblown because you got to look at the schedule and 
look, you got Penn State playing Ohio State, and you got LSU playing Alabama. Like, is it one of either of those teams lose? Clemson automatically. Well, one of those teams are going to lose in both of those games. So Clemson, assuming they don't lose a game, is going to jump those teams. So I do understand the idea that okay, considering that that is the situation we're in, forget about. No, oh, Clemson me not Shamian deserves a shot to defend their title. They go undefeated. I think everyone agrees with that. Let's just just put out who's played the best so far, and that's why Clemson right now is at five. I don't think that to me. I know that LSU has been in the AP top uh, at number one in the AP, and I know that they've played probably the toughest schedule um, of the team. We consider they had a non-conference game against Texas, and then they've played an SEC schedule that included a. Uh, a inner division game against Florida at home that they won fairly convincingly. I, I, I don't think that it's arguable that Ohio State has played the best. Um, every team that we've even, we thought had a ch- chance to compete with them, they've just stomped. I mean, Michigan State and Wisconsin, we thought, okay, maybe they'll give them some kind of game. And then, like, the game was over before you blinked. Like, Ohio State has played the best, so they deserve number one ranking. LSU has played a tough schedule and beat some decent teams, beating Texas, beating Auburn. Uh, those were impressive wins. Beating Florida, they have very impressive wins on their resume. Alabama is Alabama. They've uh, been, again, uh, dominant. So you give them the benefit of the doubt, even if they haven't had necessarily the, the, the biggest strength of schedule. I could argue, I could, I could see a case where someone would argue maybe why Alabama and Penn State over Clemson, but Clem, neither of those teams uh, have the North Carolina game on their schedule, where Clemson has not had a, had a weak schedule, and they have this one game that just looks absurd uh, in terms of how the game was as close as it was. It's a game that they should have lost to North Carolina, <laughs> and and you know you can say okay, well Penn State had Pitt, but Pitt's much better than North Carolina, so and it's a rivalry game, so I think people give them a little bit more of a break when you're comparing schedules and. Penn State has other wins that are more impressive. They did beat Michigan. They did beat Iowa on the road. They did beat Michigan State on the road handedly. So, uh, and they did beat Pitt, who is, is is a decent team. So, not a great team, but uh, you know, a, a respectable team maybe. So, I, I don't have an issue with Clemson being fifth. I think they probably would have ended up fifth if I ranked them out. But I, I do that knowing that it's going to play itself out. You know what I'm saying? Just to schedule the way it works plays itself out. I do feel like if Clemson goes undefeated, they should get a chance to defend their title no matter what. If they lose a game with considering how bad the ACC is, I, I mean, I don't know if I can say guaranteed that they deserve a spot in the playoff because I'm not going to be able to point to any win on their schedule to say that, oh, this I, this team has, has played this way in. If they lose to, I mean, any loss to North Carolina State, Wake Forest or South Carolina, I mean, those would be dreadful losses. And they're not going to get another chance against a good team because the Coastal Division is so bad that their conference championship win is going to be weak. How could I put them ahead of a one-loss LSU team? How could I put them ahead of a one-loss Alabama team? Like, it's going to be very difficult. And and and, and, and that's where uh, I say Clemson's got to play their, play their way in by winning out. But this other stuff will play itself out because you got two te- the top four teams, uh, two of them, play each other so it's not gonna matter i think it's gonna be, what's gonna be interesting is you know what happens uh if georgia for example let's say uh alabama wins out and they play georgia and georgia beats alabama what happens if you have 
situation where let's say um, LSU's out of the picture because they didn't get to a conference championship, and you got Ohio State undefeated, and you got um, and let's say Baylor goes undefeated in the Big Twelve, and now you have uh, a one-loss Clemson, a one-loss Alabama, and a one-loss Georgia. Out of those three, who makes it? You know. Because uh, when the undefeated teams get thrown into the mix, that's going to, you know, complicate things. Because I don't think that – I don't know how you keep Baylor out if they went out, assuming those other teams have losses. Like, am I crazy about that? I know yeah. they're 12 that's right now. All but, these teams control their own – like, Baylor is – Baylor controls their own. That's yeah, they shouldn't be worried about being 12 because they went out, they're going to get in. Yeah, because that – like you said, that would include winning the Oklahoma. Right. You know, like, um, Minnesota, if they went out, will get in, like – and we've seen in the in playoff past, or not playoff, but BCS years past, before the playoff, like the weird, you know, Kansas being like in the top two, or top three, or like mm-hmm. South Florida, or like you know, Cincinnati, Rutgers, Boise. Like we've seen bizarre, you know, Cal's in there one of those years. Like you know, bizarre even Power Five schools or you know mid major schools be in the top five. Um, we haven't seen it really yet in the playoff era. I don't know if we've ever typically in the playoff era. It's, it's almost always been a blue blood. I mean, the closest was Washington, and that Washington team was legit. Like they weren't like a fluke. <laughs> like, yeah. So like, um, like Minnesota or Baylor would kind of be flukes. It would be like, well, like, yeah, for sure. These teams, you know, you know, we're, we're going to be lucky to make a bowl game this year. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. To see them in the to see them in the conversation, make the playoff, is is, is incredible. But I, I think it's I, I think it's very possible. I don't think we'll see. I think it's too late for any of the mid major teams at this point. None of them, the group of five, Memphis, Cincinnati, they're all too low and they all have a loss, so they're not in that conversation. But yep. if you're undefeated, I think in today's day and age, if you're if you're undefeated and you like play anybody, you're you're gonna make it. Yeah, because you know, it's too much. There's too much parity outside of Clemson and Alabama. To, right, and teams are beating each other up. Yeah, to, <laughs> to, each other to, up to like Oregon. I think Oregon control their own destiny as well. I I think those Pac-12 teams, Oregon and Utah, are going to be interesting because again, some of these teams could rack up two losses. Georgia could rack up two losses. Uh, uh, you know, so that could throw in a lot of stuff in the mix as well. You know. You know, Penn State and Ohio State play in the same division. Even if they win, um, they could lose a conference championship game. So they could have a loss that's late in the season. How does that affect if they don't win their conference? I mean, it would be unlikely that they would lose that kind of game. But, hey, they could happen. Like, those teams that are kind of sitting there lower, waiting kind of get to jump up once these teams start losing, uh, especially those Pac-12 teams in Oregon and Utah are going to be teams to closely follow. Also because those teams have don't have bad losses. Oregon lost at Auburn at, on the first game of the season on a neutral site. That probably lends itself to being a more pro-Auburn crowd. Utah lost to USC, albeit they did have their third-string quarterback, but it is USC, so I think people won't won't hammer them for that loss the way maybe they should be. So that's why those teams are still in the mix. And they've dominated everybody else they've played. So... You know, Utah had a close game this week against Washington. Besides that, they beat, they blown out everybody else. This college, uh, I tell you what, man. As we said before, the college football playoff has made things a lot more interesting. 
Um, and when they when they expands eventually, I think it'll make things even more interesting. I do like the. So I don't know how people feel about the the show, but I I do like the 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 reveal show. It's kind of like I've never watched it. I haven't watched it this season. I've watched it in the past. It kind of feels like like a selection show like every week. It's kind of like I don't. I, I just I don't have interest. I, I to me like I guess it's not that big a deal. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I guess I've never really had interest in it because it, I know it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I guess it's in like, some ways it's like, okay. Dramatic used to be. I guess the only thing is that okay, it kind of gives your, yourself like you know the committee gives yourself an eye of what the committee is looking at. Yeah, what 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 they value. But I guess yeah. it's just so early that, and there's so much more to play. I guess I wouldn't care. I almost feel like this would make more sense in college basketball. Like I, I wonder if college basketball would be cool to like maybe two weeks before the season, like the committee put out their first four in, first four out. Don't they do that? Oh no, they put I don't out think the they top do. sixteen. They yeah, do the top sixteen. I don't really care. Still. Yeah, I don't care because again, a lot of movement can still happen. But if they put out their last four and last four out like two weeks before, you know, maybe a week before the conference, uh, you know, the conference champion tournament start, like that would be really interesting. Like, uh, and if you get teams maybe a little more idea of what they have to do, and they, they don't run in blind going into the conference tournament season, that I think would actually be more fun. Kind of let's quickly do uh, flames and trash. So I'll start first. I give a big uh, flame shout out to Stephen A. Smith. He's flamed this week because uh, the details of his new uh, ESPN deal were released, and uh, they are lucrative to say the least. Stephen A. Smith will now be making eight million dollars a year as part of his new five-year uh, ESPN contract. I mean, Stephen A. literally at this point is going to be one of those guys where he's going to be making way more money than some of the NBA players he's going to be talking to. <laughs> yeah, good you know, mind. Like that's 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 I don't that's that's not a normal thing. Uh, that's pretty incredible. And um say what you want about Stephen A. Especially with, the NFL players. Yes, yes, definitely NFL players. Um say what you want about Stephen A, love him or hate him. I think uh, as a black man in this medium to uh to to be kind of the face of ESPN and to and to, to you know ink that kind of contract is something you gotta, you know, you gotta tip your hat to. So shout out to Stephen A. He gets my flames of the week for uh, being a very rich man today. Who's your flames? Flames this week for me is uh, T Bone Pickens. T Boone Pickens, I should say. Uh, rest in peace. You know he he passed away, I believe, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we did not talk about it on the show. A lot of people probably want who is T Boone? Who is T Boone Pickens anyway? Uh, so T Boone Pickens, if you're a college sports fan, you'll know him as the. Uh, uh, the I guess called booster. I guess the best way to put it. Uh, simplest way to put it. He's a, he's a mega booster. Was a mega booster for uh, the Oklahoma State athletic program, uh, athletic department. You know he is the namesake of their football stadium, T. Boone Pickens Stadium, and he's always been known as kind of your. He's the most famous pride booster in all of college sports in terms of like being like he just donated, you know, <laughs> probably millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to the to Oklahoma State Athletics. Probably the reason why the football and basketball program has been successful uh, over the last couple of decades. Uh, like I said, he did pass away uh, not too long ago. But I, I named him Flames this week because not only was Oklahoma State uh, ranked number really 16 in the, the playoff rankings as, as a team with three losses, by the way. I don't know how this. I don't know how that happened, but regardless, uh, I don't think they were ranked in the AP poll, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Oklahoma State was ranked 16th in the uh, 
playoff, but they also landed a commitment from uh, the number two or number one player, depending on who you ask. I would say the number one player, but uh, one of the top high school basketball players in the country, Kay Cunningham. Um, I'm not going to lie, EJ. When, when T. Boone Pickens passed away, I thought Oklahoma State might have been out for mm. Kay Cunningham. You know, it sounded crazy. And, like, it sounds crazy. It's like, what does that have to do with anything? But we all know in college basketball that it has something to do with anything. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it has something to do with, it has something to do with something. So, like, and there was a lot of buzz over the last couple of weeks that Kentucky was going to come out of nowhere and get Kay Cunningham. So, like, I, I mean, I was the cynical person. I was like, yo, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I, I, it can't. But regardless, uh, Kay Cunningham, whose brother was hired this offseason – as an assistant at Oklahoma State, ended up committing. Bizarrely, he committed like in like half hour before the Champions Classic started, which I don't think was a coincidence. Um, and it's not the first time we've seen a, a, a commit or a recruit who was being recruited by Kentucky purposely uh, uh, commit at a very awkward and uh, kind of you know, or conspicuous period to kind of deflect because I remember Jamie McDaniel did the same thing when he committed to Washington. He committed at like 2 a.m. So <laughs> nobody would see. But um, cause I think these guys know that Kentucky fans are vultures. So, you know, do it at a time when no conversation. But um, no, no, shout out to T. Boone Pickens, though. Um, you know, I'm sure he is uh, smiling down on this uh, Oklahoma State program <laughs> um, wherever he is. Shout out to T-Bone Pickens. Uh, my trash this week is going to be Kellen Winslow. Um, he pled guilty to more uh, rape charges, sexual crime charges. Uh, now, to be clear, he was facing a possible life term in prison had he gone to trial and been found guilty. So a lot of this um, decision to perhaps plead guilty was a uh, risk calculation because the sentence he got now is 12 to 18 years as opposed to maybe doing life in prison. And that's kind of how this weird legal system works. Uh, so he would avoid the life sentence by instead just saying that he uh, he, he did this stuff. So he apparently was uh, on trial for um, sexually battering an, an, uh, an unconscious woman and uh, raping another woman. Or rather, excuse me, raping an unconscious woman and sexually battering a 54-year-old hitchhiker in uh, in 2018. He already had a conviction for uh, raping a homeless woman um, uh, in May of 2018. So he's had a lot of issues with sexual uh, crimes. And apparently this was a difficult decision for him because he had painted these women as liars and people who were out for his money or were mistaken or forgotten about what happened. And uh, he had difficulty, apparently, you know, entering these these plea deals because, I guess, in his mind, he, he's not guilty. But, I mean, you know, you plead guilty to these kind of horrendous crimes and you've been already convicted of these horrendous crimes. It's kind of goes without saying. Uh, this is a guy who I followed a long time. Uh, he obviously went to the U. Um but he's always kind of been a little bit of a disturbed dude. And there's plenty of reporting about some of his disturbing actions, uh, even when he was playing in the NFL. To see it end this way for him is uh, sad, but um, obviously you feel worse for the victims of his sexual crimes, right? So uh, 
Kylan Winslow is a pretty easy choice this week for uh, uh, pleading guilty to more sexual violence crimes. He is trash. Who do you got, Kendall? Yeah, trash for me this week. Uh, I said the ACC. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but the ACC Network obviously debuting this year, so the ACC decided we're going to have uh, our conference games. Uh, every team in the conference besides Duke, which ironically enough is like one of the, like, the three teams people want to see. But we're going to have all these teams play against each other uh, so that we could have content for, the ACC, for ACC Network. Um, that's fine. You know, I think that makes sense. You know, it drives competition, drives viewership. Some coaches complaining about it, some not. It's fine. My issue with the ACC uh, is who in their right mind thought it was a good idea that they were going to debut the ACC network and as essentially the premier matchup of the week, have it be Syracuse versus Virginia in the Carrier Dome. <laughs> I like, like they were they're like I understand. Look, Duke was playing the Champions Classic, so I understand they couldn't have Duke in this conversation. But how do you not put together a better opening matchup than Syracuse Virginia? So I, like, you are so you arguing they should have scheduled it differently? Or are you arguing that of the game they chose? Why did they choose that one? Uh, both. I mean, there were better games that were being played. I mean, North Dame versus North Carolina should have been the primetime matchup, first of all. But, see that. like, even beyond that, if there was, like, why... Because this is a conference scheduled game, so, like, they could have picked whatever game they wanted. True. You know, they could have had Syracuse-Virginia happen in December or in February and had, you know, Virginia play Virginia Tech. You know, or Clemson, maybe don't want a rivalry game, but Florida State, like, I understand Syracuse is a brand name, and Jim Bayon's a brand a brand name coach, and Virginia's the defending national champion, so they thought, this sounds good. But EJ, I watched, like, the first 10 minutes of that game, I fell asleep. <laughs> it, like, Syracuse had three points in the first 10 minutes of the game. Like, that, it was pathetic. It was boring basketball, and those two teams are notorious for putting on Terrible games. Yeah. So why did they feel... I mean, the score is 48-34. I mean, like, that's, that's, that's crazy. That's just not entertaining. So for the ACC, they knew what they were doing. And well, clearly they did it. Yeah, I, think I, they just, say, I don't I think they, I don't think, I think so. they had a very, like, basic, like, oh, Jim Beheim was the defending national champions, like, the Carrier Dome, great place to play. Like, people are going to love this. Until the game is being played and these teams are playing, like, it... It was like a different sport. Like <laughs> the, the zone, like guys like were barely moving. Like guys, I feel like I could have been out there. Like I could have played for Virginia in that game. All you're doing is throwing the ball around the zone and hoping hoping you get hit a three once in a while. And they weren't Virginia wasn't hitting many shots because they only put up 48 points. But yeah, they, they were four for 25 from three. It was it was grotesque. <laughs> I mean. And they were the good team. And they won, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They won by double digits. So imagine what Syracuse looked like. I, it was it was terrible basketball. And I blame the ACC because they had ample time. to. They knew who was going to be on each team. It's not like they thought maybe Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy would be back. Like, they, they knew everything. They had all the, the information. And they put together that terrible matchup when they knew the most people would be watching. 
So yeah, Styles make fights, and anybody who's anybody would have known that this was not going to be a fun matchup. This is like, you know, uh, you know, Bernard Hopkins versus, you know, some other like really slow old defensive fighter. It's like <laughs> look, these are no way saying these fighters aren't good, but you know, you know, a Bernard Hopkins versus Winky Wright fight is just not gonna <laughs> bring out a lot of action, man. Like it, it, no way's denying those guys are Hall of Fame great champions, but it's just it's just not going to be fun to watch, <laughs> and uh, I understand that. Like these teams have played because they're in the same conference. They've played now several years in a row since Syracuse joined the ACC, and we've seen these matchups what they look like. They typically look not this bad, but they're usually only a step above this. Like they're usually games in the fifties or high forties anyway. So it, that was an odd choice. I'd argue that of the games that are being played outside of the Duke game. You could definitely make the case, okay, Carolina, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's a big-name school who they bring ratings from all over the country, and it's North Carolina, and they have a dynamic point guard. You could make the case that maybe North Carolina should have been in that spot, but outside of that, to me, that was the game you had to choose. It's an unfortunate... unfortunate. But why did you put them against Syracuse? That's that's what I that's why I think is they slipped up. Put them against Florida State. Yeah, you control you control the schedule because it's a conference game. So just put them against North Carolina. NC State. Yeah, put them in. <laughs> you don't want to put them right. in North Carolina because that's like such a, pre, a too much of a premier matchup, and you want to spread out the brand name teams. Like, put them or, against or Syracuse. put Syracuse against someone like North Carolina. Like you can't have those two teams play against each you. Other. Can't have those two teams. Right. Because Virginia is, like you said, it's too good defensively. So Syracuse is going to be able to score. And Syracuse not, is, is, is notoriously inept in November. Right. Like we we know, like, again, like I said before the show, they lost a freaking D2 team in a scrimmage uh, on national, right. on, on TV. We, we watched it. It wasn't like nothing that was a hidden scrimmage. It was an actual exhibition game that they <laughs> lost that we watched happen on television. Because Jim Beheim's teams take a long time to kind of gel, like, just the way they play. And for whatever reason, just it just no. In November, they're not a, a power five team. They're just not. Now, right. by the time you get to January, February, they might be really good, but it just takes them that much time. So to put them against Virginia, like I saw someone say, like I saw someone like Leo, if if you gave Tony Bennett five months with a with five D two starters to prepare for a power five team, would he keep them under seventy? I said, yeah. I say, yeah, he would. He's the yeah. best defensive coach in college basketball. It's not even. I don't think it's even close anymore. So you put that defensive guru against a Jim Beheim in November. They're lucky they scored thirty four points. So and at Syracuse, that's not necessarily the most high powered offense of the teams that we've seen from Jim Beheim in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, yeah, it was a bad choice, but I, I the only. I give them is I don't besides Carolina, which I think is still arguable because the Notre Dame doesn't have anybody necessarily I want to watch even if the name brand carries. I I feel like you're not putting Wake Forest BC, you're not putting Florida State Pitt, so that is definitely by far the most intriguing matchup in terms of the teams. But it's the intriguing actual, until you start watching the game. The actual game isn't intriguing because it's just like, too I, terrible. Like, I was like I was intrigued. I was excited. Teams. I was like. Oh, this would actually be a fun game. <laughs> so I forgot. Like, I forgot. Like, oh man, I actually have to watch this. And, and then, then I realized that this is not going to be. Then you were asleep. <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep. I was like, I and it wasn't like I fell asleep because I was bored. It was that, but it was 
it was I fell asleep because I was like I'd rather sleep than watch Disney. Like it was no point. It's like it's nine thirty. I'm like I'd rather just go to sleep. No better else for you to do. Let's wrap up the show, Kendall. What do you got for Kendall's court? All right, DJ. For Kendall's court, pretty simple. The uh, Athletic came out with a story this week that uh, the L.A. Chargers um, could be leaving L.A., uh, which sounds crazy because they just moved there two years ago, but uh, they could be on the move because they don't have a real fan base and they play in a stadium that... You know, they can only get 40,000 people to show up, and those 40,000 people tend to root for the other team. <laughs> so um, so they're considering uh, leaving Los Angeles, and the major spot that they're looking at is London. Now, what I will say is the NFL has, I think it's been more obvious this year than I think in past years. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a record or what, but it just feels like there's a game in London every week. I, and, yeah, no. It just, I, I could care less when this team's playing London. Like, to me, it's just an 8 a.m. football game that I wake up and I find the score. Like, I don't even know these teams are playing in London. And they, the NFL has to do a better job of promoting the fact that these teams are even playing on, in London. But point being, um, so, yes, the NFL has been very, very forward about wanting to continue their endeavors in London. The Chargers clearly are not a good fit in L.A. Who would have thought? Who would have guessed? Um, and they are they are now considering the London move. Now, part of that conversation is if the Chargers were to leave, they'd probably be re- not relocated, but they'd probably be realigned into the AFC East or the AFC South. Um, and then they would potentially move the Miami Dolphins to the AFC South. Uh, and then maybe move the Houston Texans to the AFC West. Those are some of the theories that have been put out there uh, by the Athletic. But uh, Dean Spanos came out with a very profanity-laced denial of this, essentially saying there's no bleeping way we'll ever bleep and leave, something along those lines. You know? yeah, he says effing BS. Yes, yes, there you go. So, um, man, <laughs> I don't think he said BS. No, or effing. <laughs> Yeah, yes, exactly. So, it was a pretty remarkable quote. Yeah, exactly. So, and, I mean, look, he's the owner of the team. There's not much you can tell him to do. But um, what do you make of this, EJ? Do we think the Chargers will be playing in London? Do we think they're even going to leave L.A.? Dean Spano seems to deny it. I don't know. The Athletic has a team of really strong reporters. Someone who's in the know, told them this. Whether or not it's true, whether or not it's realistic, is another story. So my so Spanos coming out this fiercely against this makes me... And Spanos is not someone who won't kind of... Uh, what's the word? Kind of like, you know, oh, like, you know, keep messing around and I'll leave. Like, he, that's what he did with the Chargers. Like, openly. And then he just left one day. You know? So, like, I... I don't. I don't think he's the kind of guy that would be super worried about a city that is not embracing his team or giving this team what they need. Uh, we're getting out that he may want to leave. Like, I don't think he would care about that. So the fact that he came out this vociferously around it tends, seems to me to think that he doesn't want to go to London, um, but someone does want them to go to London. I'm very curious to who that is. 
Is it another NFL owner who told the athletic this? Is it the word the league office that, who told the athletic this? The word is that Stan Kroenke wants Spanos the heck out of it. Of course, there's no way he wants Kroenke uh, Spanos in charge anywhere near his you know Kroenke world instead of Jerry world or Stan world, whatever we want to call it. Uh, like absolutely, like and, and they shouldn't be because because they're doing terrible. So like, right. it's Kroenke's like, look, just leave, guy. Like you guys are, you guys are a losing team. Like they may not even be bad, but like you guys are the losing franchise in LA. Like nobody cares about you guys. Like why are you even here? You know, and he has no right to. So he's putting out, you know, misinformation. <laughs> you know, I mean that wouldn't that wouldn't be... surprise me. Like, and I could see the athletic going with it if he said, look, I've talking to Spanos about moving to the London and. Maybe when Spanos and talking to him, maybe, you know, being kind or maybe being, you know, not wanting to, to you know, seem like a jerk. Maybe say, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe we'll think about that at some point. Knowing deep in his mind, like, oh, I would never move. Like, people say stuff to people all the time, and, you know, just to get them to, to be cordial, or, you know. Or maybe he is considering it, but he just doesn't want it on the public. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe he wants to keep a face that, like, yes, L.A. is our place, but. Yeah, because Spanos, like, he, he, like. The, the move to L.A. was very bold. Yes. I mean, like... Borderline a snake move. Right. Like, like San Diego, like, is is the Chargers. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is the city. And he went to L.A. And with no fans, with no stadium, all because the other city just wouldn't, wouldn't pay for a stadium for him, even though he's a billionaire. So, like, he has a lot invested in making this Los Angeles move work. If not even from a financial standpoint, but from a just a saving face standpoint. So I can understand him feeling like maybe I don't want this to get out. But I did say it in the past. Like, so that's where it gets tricky. Because like I said, he has shown at the time, like I said in, in earlier, he's shown in the past he's not afraid to show his hand that he may look to another place. But I guess with this, it's a little different. Because if he moves to London, it would show that he failed. He failed miserably. Um but look, I, I I don't want any team playing in London. I, I I'm sorry. Like, and the NBA and the NFL, both of these leagues seem very interested in what Enamored. a league <laughs> looks like with a team in Europe. And both teams have, both leagues have experimented with having games in Europe. I don't know how it's it changed or improved the league in any way. I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any. Uh, tangible evidence. Now, obviously, I don't live in London, um, so maybe, I, look, I maybe, if you, maybe if I helped. went to, maybe I go to England, there will be there's like an obvious greater interest in football. But I just don't think that it's going to work, and I think that considering a move to London re- literally affects the entire league and every team in the NFL, all for oh, the sake of, of, a, of a massive gamble. That doesn't really have a a a. There's nothing I can point to and say, oh, for this reason, it's very likely to work. Like anything I point to, I'm grasping at straws as to why an NFL team in London is a good idea. So to do that, to upend the league in that way, for I don't want to say it's a hail mary, but it's like a long shot. I think it's a long shot to say that a team in London would work in the NFL. I don't think that that's unfair to say. That just seems too much. So the now, Chargers, the Chargers that. need to worry about going back to San Diego. 
That's where they need to be. It's interesting that the Chargers are the if there's any team to do it on, they're the at this point they're the risk. They're, they're the risk you could take. Because yeah, because the LA thing is, just, is, is, is a work. But the, I guess the problem is like like you're they not look, moving. You're not moving a, an established franchise with an established fan base. That's the true. Don't have that. That's true. But I guess the what makes it. I guess the reason why I guess I would be so against it is like Spano should have never left San Diego, and now we're up in the league because this guy made a terrible business decision. Like that to me, like would just not play well. Like if I was another NFL owner, I'd be I'd be furious. If I'm if I'm the I'm, I mean I'd be one of those if the Jets if the Chargers are now in the NFC AFC East, I'd be furious if yeah because this guy. I didn't want to didn't want to fork over the money to pay for his own stadium, even though he's a billionaire. Um, decides to to move his team to a city that didn't want him. That said before, we don't want you. Went there anyway. Had an embarrassing tenure where they can't draw any fans. Now because of that, now my team is affected. Where I can never, if I ever want to, if I want to see the Jets on the road, I can never see them play uh, in London because maybe I don't want to travel that far. Like fans in New York have the luxury of being able to take a short flight to Buffalo or f- drive to Buffalo if they really want to, take a, take a train ride to, to, to Boston to see the game team in New England, take a short flight to Miami. Like, you're changing the fan bases, you're changing the way the team prepares. Now they just got to worry about, le- you know, games in which they got to, you know, go from London, then go back to New York. For and, 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 I can like, tell you what, man. I don't those, want that any, in any way too. affecting my team. And it's because yeah, this guy, I, this guy got sorry, felt sorry because the city of San Diego would not pay for a stadium that a billion or subsidized stadium that a billionaire should be able to make on his own? No, I'm I'm that I would never be on this I would never be in favor of and it would uh it would annoy me in a way that so, is understandable why uh Spanos would quickly want to shoot this down because it sounds so ridiculous. I don't want to see like if it look if it means the Chargers leave LA then look the Chargers need I don't think they're done in LA. Because I think L.A. is such a fair-weather, like, hot-name fan base, as we see in the NBA with the Clippers, that <laughs> I think they can regain, I won't say control because they never had it, I won't say regain, but I think they could, I think they could become the, the top team in L.A. for a period. Like, I don't think the Rams are so ingrained in the L.A. culture, even though they were in L.A. for a time period, that... Like, they'll always be the team. I think they're the team right now. They're the better team. They have more stars. Uh, and they are the previous LA team, so they make more sense. But they're the number one betting odds team to get Tom Brady next year, EJ, uh, beyond the Patriots, is the LA Chargers. Wow. So, well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of conversation about Tom Brady leaving. Um, which we haven't talked about, but it's been a major topic of conversation. Um, because he obviously has one year left on his deal, and I mean, you think about the Chargers, L.A. He's a California kid. Phil Rivers. I don't know if he's had on the last year of his deal. He might be, but even if he isn't, kind of seems like he's on the way out. That team's not going anywhere. Uh, I don't think Tom Brady would play for Anthony Lynn. It just doesn't seem like <laughs> doesn't seem like his thing. You know, he's not a quarterback guy. I, you know, but if they moved on from Anthony Lynn and went to someone like Josh McDaniels, I don't know. Those are the those are the things that are c- coming up. The tr- the Titans have been another team because of his relationship with Mike Vrabel. 
But point being, if Tom Brady were to sign with the Chargers next year, and the Rams, let's say the Rams don't do don't finish out the season that strong, let's say they finish out nine and seven, the Chargers would all of a sudden then be back in the LA conversation. If Tom Brady is it, it, like all the celebrities would be Chargers fans at that point, and that's how fickle and 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 fair weather the LA fan base is, in my opinion. So I I think it can be I think it can be uh, resolved, you know, out in LA. But at the same time, if this leads to LA, this leads to the Chargers leaving LA, I I'm for it because I think there's just as much upside in London than there is in in LA, I think there's way more risk in London because if it doesn't work, then the league, like you said, is just, I don't say it's ruined, but it's just messed up. It's upended. <laughs> yeah, it's completely upended. Um, you're going to be like, what time does this team play? Are they going to be playing 9 a.m. games every week or are they going to be playing 1, 8, 1 p.m. night games? Like, it, whatever <laughs> they do is going to be weird. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I don't think this comes of anything. I think the Chargers will stick it out. For the for because you don't I've never seen a team leave after like two years I mean it's happened before but I've never seen it personally um so I don't know I think this will be fine the Chargers will be back in San Diego within the next five years you think they'll be back in San Diego yeah they're gonna yeah they're gonna go back somebody so, so you, these these billionaires are gonna strong arm Dean Spanos and say yo fam come up with some kind of deal with San Diego pay for 85, 90% of the stadium and let them pay 10% or whatever your sticking point is. We can't, we just can't have this. We cannot have a sta- a team that just is a, in a city that doesn't care about them and doesn't re- generate any revenue for them. That just, they're not going to stand for it. At some point, they're going to make them do something. Um, like I said, I still think in my, in my mind, I still think that he doesn't want to go to London, which is why he's so pissed that this story got out. I think people are trying to force him to go there. They're going to force him to do something. Is London the next spot for the for an NFL for an NFL team? If it's not San Diego, for example, like I think it is because it just seems like there's an interest in it. Though because we knew for just, the longest time, look, if if a team's going to move, it's going to be to LA, and then we knew Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, Vegas is the next one. Yeah. The next team. It looks. It sounds like London's going to be the next team. And I think the NFL, just like the NHL, was savvy and desperate to be the first team to get out to Vegas. The NFL, I think, wants to be the first team to get out to London. I think they was wants to be the first league, I should say, to get out to London. I think they were smart. They tried to get to Canada, seeing what the Raptors, what happened with the Raptors. I think I think the Bills should be in Toronto, but that that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Um, and that's a good place to wrap the show this week, guys. Though, so I want to appreciate. Uh, I want to appreciate. I want to thank all you guys. For, I appreciate you, uh, I'm glad. <laughs> I do appreciate you guys listening. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of New Generation Sports Talk. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, catch us on YouTube, New Generation Media. On social media, you can find us on Facebook, New Generation Media. On Twitter, at New Generation Pod. Instagram at New Generation Podcast. Uh, you can follow me on social media, EJ underscore on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram. That does it for now. We'll be back next week with more sports talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.